What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What it do, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, believes the MCU universe is better than Star Wars co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Never, never. I don't I don't often cut off the intro, but never. Go yeah, ahead. Well, that's a terrible take, Dan, if you were recording <laughs> your intro. Before we get started, we're going to, by the way, be continuing chugging along with our just trade week topics. Uh, we have a trade mailbag for you today. But again, the usual housekeeping notes, please remember to continue rating, reviewing, subscribing to us on iTunes. You can also get us wherever else you're finding your podcast, but iTunes is still the best way to let us know that you're out there and we're not yelling into the great void. Also, make sure that you're downloading all of our episodes. That helps us out as well. We normally publish, again, it's like Tuesday, Fridays, Wednesday, Fridays. Those are normally when our episodes drop every week. So please uh, remember to do that. If you have done all that or are doing all that, shout-outs are appreciated. Retweeting our promos on Twitter, recommending us by word of mouth. Everything you do, we will love you for eternally. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel either, youtube.com slash hardwoodknocks, which in addition to podcasts will have whatever edits I feel like throwing up on there. You can follow us on Twitter at hardwoodknocks. Follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And last but certainly not least, be sure to follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Andy, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, I'm going to see Star Wars this morning, so I'm actually doing great. Did you ask me before the podcast if the new movies are good? Like, you haven't seen any of them? Oh, I'm not a Star Wars person at all. I've seen the original yeah. six. I haven't seen any of the new ones. Also, way to date this podcast less than two minutes into it. That was awesome. No, that's fine. Nobody cares about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about Star Wars. You're right. <laughs> nobody cares about which particular day I saw it. We've got like a four or five uh, day window there. Um, That's true. Who knows? Who knows what day this is? It's a it's a grand mystery. The one thing I'll um, say about Star that I have done in Star Wars, I've been to the is it called Star Wars Land? Whatever opened up. Oh, with Disney. The, yeah. It was, it, was, nice? it was terrible. <laughs> oh no! Like the aesthetics are they're pretty good, but for what Star Wars is, I feel like it needs to be way bigger. Like my my whole thing is Toy Story Land shouldn't have more rides than Star Wars. Man, I haven't been to, like, any Disney theme park in so long. There's a Toy Story Land now, too. Yeah. So my wife is, like, a big, like, Disney. And I like Disney, too. But she's, like, a – I don't even – I guess I'll call her a Disney nut. I could say enthusiast. But I'm going to say nut. So we've gone. And, I, look, it's nice to look at the Star Wars stuff. And she's not really a Star Wars person either. But uh, it was just a, relative to what Star Wars is supposed to be, it's a major letdown. Like, for Harry Potter, which is also better than Star Wars – they, they oh goodness they, okay keep going <laughs> they open up like two additional parks in universal and then for star wars it just felt like 
Disney was rushing this out or something because it was again it was nice to look at but there just wasn't much to do or or much to really see. All I'm gonna say on that front is that you just just watch Rogue One, um, and maybe that'll get you on board with the new Disney Star Wars movies. And I need to go to this Toy Story Land. My son is obsessed with Buzz Lightyear. Um, well, your son is a genius. That's why. <laughs> So maybe we need to we need to find that. He already has one big plastic Buzz Lightyear, a small plastic Buzz Lightyear, and Shelby just got him like a huge plush Buzz Lightyear for Christmas. So he's going to be well stocked on that front. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need to take him there then. So and that doesn't actually sound like enough Buzz Lightyear. So that that might want to be something that you work on. He's yeah, more Buzz Lightyear in twenty twenty. <laughs> Keep beefing that up. Yeah, I think that's probably a good call. Uh, this is a basketball podcast, apparently, though. So not a <laughs> not a theme park movie review podcast. Uh, so, I was going to see first before we got to the mailbag whether you had any nominations for just surprise trade candidates that aren't. You know, we're we're talking about Marcus Morris, we're talking about Kevin Love. Whether there are any names that stand out to you that could be moved, maybe not definitely be moved, but just names that might surprise people or are just a little bit more under the radar when looking at potential trade candidates. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if these guys are surprises. Um, maybe under the radar is probably a better way to describe the ones that I picked. Uh, one guy that I'm real curious about is Marvin Williams from the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's been with Charlotte now for five or six seasons. It's kind of hard to believe how long he's been there, but he's he's a solid defender. Uh, he shoots the three pretty well. This season is at 41.7% from three. Uh, year after year after year, he's he's right around a block and a steal per game, although those numbers are a little bit down this year. If you're bringing him in to be kind of what he's been on Charlotte, just like a bench guy playing 15 to 20 minutes a game, I think that's somebody who could really help a good team. Um, and then I, I've got a couple of Nuggets youngsters with Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez, who both have been sort of in and out of the rotation this season. I'm the the one that surprises me more there is Beasley. Like he was he was very good for them last season. So I'm a little surprised at what's happened to him this year. But I, I think that's an indication that Denver um you know they they might be willing to move either one of those guys. And I think the Nuggets, we've probably talked about this before, but they have ten or eleven guys that are legit NBA rotation players. Uh it's it's just hard to play that many guys. So Denver's prime for a, a consolidation trade, and I think Beasley and Hernan Gomez are probably the, the way to go there. And then my last one, um, the Pelicans are, are definitely need to be in seller mode as as we enter trade season now, and the names that are most often going to be brought up, and rightfully so, are Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick, maybe Derek Fabers. But I, I think Etwan Moore is a guy who could probably still help uh, a team out Let's see where he's shooting from three this season. He's at 38.6% from three. He shot 43% last year. Um, career 39% guy. He's not going to play a big role, kind of like what I said with Marvin Williams. If he's just playing 15, 20 minutes a game off your bench and, and he can provide that shooting, I think he's another guy who could be really interesting on a bunch of teams. Yeah, he's always – If it felt like even at the beginning of the year when people, people thought the Falcons might contend for the playoffs, he kind of felt like a name that would just be traded because – but they really don't have a – again, when you think about it, like they have Kendrick Williams, they have Brandon Ingram, but they don't have actually a lot of wings. Maybe you consider Josh mm-hmm. Hart a wing. That's fine. But even then, there aren't a ton, ton of names. Those Maybe also- Lonzo Ball is a wing too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean they might have to classify him as that. But he's if you use him like a wing, he has zero value to you on the offensive side of the ball. The, 
the the so the Nuggets we talked about them at length in the last podcast, but the more I think about it, I know that Woj said they kind of view Michael Porter Jr. as untouchable. If I were them, and I know they probably need a wing, another wing stopper, but I think Drew Holiday can guard up enough where he would qualify. I'm wondering if they should go like Plumlee, Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and like Malik Beasley, or maybe a 2022 first round pick would make more sense for both Redick and. Drew Holiday. That seems like a trade that could be fair for both sides. I'm not maybe New Orleans isn't getting enough there, so you could include Beasley and that first round pick. But if you're the Nuggets and you view yourself as title contenders now, that would be a super interesting trade because they I feel like they need a shooter in general. And then JJ Reddick is just amazing when it comes to that stuff. And then I don't Drew Holiday is a better defender overall than Gary Harris, but I don't know if you're actually if you actually end up losing a little juice because you trust Harris more to defend wings. And I don't think you do because they are about the same size and holiday is stronger yeah. than Harris. I, the nuggets are my favorite, uh, drew holiday destination right now. Um, because like you said, he's about the same size as Gary Harris. And I, I was very much in on Gary Harris. He had a season. Seems like it's been two seasons ago now where it was like his breakout and it's just kind of all been downhill. Since then, yeah, in, in 17 18, he averaged 17 and a half points per game, shot 40% from three. Um, then he dropped all the way down to 13 last season. This season, he's at 11. Uh, his his three point percentage is just kind of hovering around average over the last two seasons. So that's a position I think they can certainly upgrade. Um, and I would love to see Drew Holiday in, in sort of that cut heavy system that the Nuggets have. Jokic. You know, hitting him for open threes, hitting him off those cuts. I, I think he fits really, really well, and he he upgrades their uh, short-term ceiling. We've looked at them, I think most people, as that consolidation trade team for a long time. Before the Beal extension, the the obvious one was Beal as, as something that they could potentially chase. Um, I don't think Drew Holiday's quite on Beal's level, but I, he, he might not be far off. And I think Maybe if we focus more on the defensive end, maybe there's an argument that he's better. Is that crazy? Better than Bradley Beal? Beal. I I would probably say no. I mean, Bradley Beal's like shooting and just offense seems like it's on a different plane, but yeah. it's close. I mean, Drew Holiday's a top twenty-five player when he's playing his best basketball, and he he, he would help the Nuggets. I would think in theory their half-court offense too, which has struggled this year. Just as another yeah. guy who can create his own shot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I some of the names that I was thinking about, and those are all good names. Mine was one of the ones that sprang to mind for me was Thaddeus Young, not oh, yeah. not playing too many minutes with the Bulls, and the final year of his contract of his three year deal is non guaranteed. So if you're a team, you can acquire him and know if you have twenty twenty one cap space plans, he doesn't have to mess with that. And the destination I kind of thought of was the Mavericks. You know, they've we've talked about Andre Godala for them, but what if they just use Courtney yeah. Lee in a second round pick? I don't know if you would give up the Warriors one in that scenario for for Thaddeus Young. His offense hasn't been he's never been the best offensive player, but he's only shooting forty four point eight percent on twos this year. You'd have to imagine on a better team his efficiency would go up and then they really don't have when you look at potential series with the Clippers and the Lakers, they don't just have someone that you could say go guard LeBron or go guard Kawhi or PG and I think Thaddeus Young gives you someone like that to pair with Dorian Finney-Smith uh, to just really help your defense. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I've I've kind of locked myself into the uh, Iguodala Mavericks scenario, but if they can't 
if they can't pull that one off, I think Thaddeus Young would be really interesting there for sure. Speaking of Iguodala, the other name I had was Jay Crowder. I thought he would be mentioned more for trade purposes. Yeah. And also was maybe in conjunction of the Iguodala stuff because I don't know. I wouldn't give up a first-round pick for Iguodala. That's my official stance because look at how long it's been since he played last. What, can you guarantee what he's going to look like when he comes back? And then you you don't know if he's going to be on your team after this season. And I guess there's an argument to be made, hey, we're, we're getting him for the playoffs and he'll be fine. But will he? And how many minutes can he give you once you get to the playoffs? So why not go, you increase, the, just expand the trade to include Jay Crowder. And yes, you're dealing with more money then, but maybe that's how Memphis gets its first round pick. And the, the salary together isn't impossible to move between them. It's like $25 million, $26 million. Yeah. Uh, even as a standalone guy, I thought Jay Crowder would be generating more trade buzz than he is now. I know he's not shooting well from three, but just as someone that you can put on those bigger wings defensively. Jay Crowder, he's had one good season from three, and I think he's kind of coasted off that. But the fact that he's so willing to take the threes, I think there's still some value to that. Like He doesn't necessarily have to be a 36 37% three-point shooter to still make defenders at least pay attention to him out there. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm, I'm also curious about why he hasn't generated more trade buzz. I think most of the teams around the league probably view Iguodala the way that you just described, and that's, that's maybe why we haven't heard more concrete rumors about him right now. I think I would be reluctant to give up a first for him as well. And, and as you were talking about that, it made me think of a question. Um of the guys that we're pretty sure are in sort of the trade or on the trade block right now, which ones are we sure are going to command first round picks or just a single first round pick? Oof, Drew Holiday, and that's about it. I'm trying yeah, to I would of- say it's probably just Drew Holiday, and I think there may be certain teams that is it possible to get him with just good young talent, given how many first round picks New Orleans already has. Maybe if you're using, it would have to be like a. Michael Porter Jr. situation, I think, where they're they're only in the second year of their rookie scale or something. Yeah, that's a good I, question just, though. There's, I because Kevin Love is, I wouldn't say that he gets you a first round pick. Definitely, no, maybe. I would, I would not give up a first for Love. I don't think. Some somebody uh, in so in the mailbag tweet, we'll get to it in a little bit. Somebody suggested that Denver trade for Kevin Love and Paul Millsap was part of the deal. And I, I, I don't think I responded to him, but I'm just thinking at this point, Paul Millsap is just better than Kevin Love. Paul Millsap has been genuinely ridiculous this season. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, I don't I just Kevin Love, you know, there's the value in a power forward who can average, you know, 16 and 10. Obviously, he stretches the floor a little bit. But I think what you're giving up defensively is. Uh, could, could be immense <laughs> at this point. And with his injury history, um, what he has left on that contract is, is just daunting. So I don't think he's going to get a first-round pick. I think it's it's Unless they're taking back a worse deal. Maybe it's something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if somebody's willing to um, – or if the Cavs are willing to take back some bad salary. that That is interesting. Um, the reason I was just thinking about it, that is because it did seem like for a while the star market – was pretty suppressed. Like we were surprised at how little, um, or yeah, I, I guess I should put like air quotes around that. Um, how little the Kings got in the DeMarcus cousins deal. I guess the initial reactions to some of these deals were kind of surprising. And then it seemed like, well, maybe the star market was reset this summer by those massive deals for Paul George and Russell Westbrook. 
Um, but I think what we're going to see this season is a reluctance to include like real assets for some of these guys, because it's, it's just, <laughs> there's such a huge financial commitment for some of these guys who are past their primes at this point, Kevin Love, Chris Paul, um, I just can't imagine anyone giving up first for those guys. Unless, I think you bring up a good point. Like, if, if you get real creative and you add some bad salary to the deal, maybe that changes things. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, my next couple guys, uh, this one we, we kind of alluded to already, Miles Turner. I don't think the Pacers yeah. should move him, and I would still take him over Sabonis long term. I do think it's a what's, debate. I'm not saying I'm right. I was going to say, what's your argument for that at this point? He's a better defender, uh, just a legitimate, I think, someone who can be a defensive player of the year candidate for, for years to come. Just he moves so much better on the defensive end now. I think in a in a better offensive system, or at least one with more floor balance, that his, his floor spacing really becomes uh, that much more of an asset. And then I don't think you need him to be, you know, we talk about how he's not aggressive enough on the offensive side. I don't necessarily know that you need him to be this guy who's going to face up an attack or someone who can really post up with, with immense frequency. Yeah. It'd be nice if his passing was better. Uh, but for me, Sabonis, there's, uh, there's value in his passing and the fact that he's a, a shot creator himself, but just the big man who can be an all defense candidate at the very least while knocking down threes and who's really gotten better. Uh, although I haven't watched Turner over, I think it's been 10 days since I saw any of the Pacers. Uh, just someone who moves a lot better defensively and has some serious range there. I, I, that, to me, holds more value long-term because you know how much I value fit, and I do feel like it's easier to to fit Miles Turner into most teams in the NBA than it would be Sabonis. Well, I think that's all fair. I think I think Turner's defensive upside is certainly higher. I mean, when he when he's locked in, he's a great rim protector. His block shot block numbers have been great over the last few seasons. There is the potential to be a stretch guy. Um I, this is going to come as a shock to you. I love the passing big man archetype. Um, and I think Sabonis is clearly that. I, I think he, he helps in offense so much more than Turner does because he can stretch the floor out a little bit too. Um, I, I think we're starting to finally see a little bit of pushback against, you, you know, have everybody go stand out at the three-point line and shoot threes. There, there's been uh, some push from, from teams around the league to sort of revive the post game i think sabonis is at the forefront of that um and i just think he's been better this season than miles turner and maybe it's it's silly to base a trade off who's doing more in the first third or close to half of of one season um but sabonis his skill level is just off the charts and i think um i haven't checked this in a few days and it was actually improving the last time i did check it so it may have caught up by now but the pacers are better when it's Sabonis playing without Turner, when it's when it's him playing with a bunch of guys who can score and cut off of his post uh, catches, I, I think they're a more dangerous team offensively. So if they can get some value for Miles Turner, and I think you're saying the same thing, that's kind of why you listed him here. Um, he's going to be an interesting trade candidate too. Yeah, it's hard to find a team that I don't know if they would give up enough for him. If they want to get involved in the Drew Holiday sweepstakes, I think the Pelicans are a natural fit for him. I also, and this is a team I wanted to talk about because – they had they have all these injuries right now, but uh, if if they were interested in Kyle Lowry, the Raptors, there could be deals that are built around that, um, and that would be insanely interesting. I don't know if they would like Kyle Lowry with Brogdon and Oladipo eventually going to come back, but uh, that would certainly be – I think that would give them a higher ceiling in the East or at least maybe a lateral one because I'm still so high on 
Turner, but I do think the Pacers look better overall when they downsize. So there's one suggestion. You can let me know what you think about that, if anything. And the other thing is, is do you think the Raptors are more likely to, to sell now or do something like that, given that Gasol's out indefinitely, and now Siak with his hamstring injury, and now uh, Siakam's out indefinitely with his groin injury? That injury report, did that just come out yesterday? or was I think that was just yesterday. That was a real bummer for the Raptors. <laughs> um, having a bunch of those guys out indefinitely, I think it does make them slightly more likely to be sellers. Or, yeah, sellers. I, I still think I would, if I had to pick right now, I think they keep it together because the way that they've looked when they're healthy is, is really good and potentially a team that can get all the way back to the finals. Um so I will I will kind of lean that way for now. The other question was what I thought about Lowry to the Pacers or Drew to the Pacers. Either or. We talked about Drew to the Pacers already, I think. And Drew's a little bit different just because I think he could defend small forwards. You don't have that type of optionality with, yeah. with, uh, with Lowry, although I think you at least do in certain instances with Oladipo and Brogdon. Yeah, then in that case, it's Brogdon and Oladipo who are the the guys that are playing um, up a position. So I don't, I don't mind it. Um, I could get behind that either way. I think I'm a little bit worried about size in both of those scenarios because it's nice to you know have positionless basketball and have multiple playmakers and all that. Um, but there's still the possible. Like if you go up against Boston in the Eastern Conference playoffs, they have switchability and positionless basketball too it's just that all their positionless guys are like four or five inches taller than yours um so that would be a problem but i don't i don't hate the fit on either of those uh potential trades that you laid out there basically though miles turner in toronto with siakam would be would be my business that would be cool that gets into what oh go ahead go ahead i was gonna say say would they sacrifice 2021 cap space and yeah uh you if you were going to say we're not going to re-sign Van Fleet, then all right, they're still fine. But I would, I would be very interested in seeing a Turner Siakam front court. Is all I'm basically saying. I don't know how the rebounding would be. I was just going to ask you that very question. How does that team rebound? And and like, um, sort of dovetailing off that, how how do we feel about Turner's rebounding in general? There's like this new thing where the stretch bigs just don't rebound at all. Turner's averaging like six boards a game. Jaron Jackson's <laughs> rebounding numbers. He's at four point seven, which is like kind of shockingly low um i you know i like stretching out to the three-point line and i guess there's ways to make up for not having your big around the rim to grab those rebounds um but i I think those are somewhat concerning numbers on both of those guys you definitely want your bigs to rebound more but a part of it with uh turner for me is he he plays a lot of his minutes with another big and if you're going to be the one that's on the perimeter uh, you're just you're rebounding even defensively you know you're I feel like your rebounding chances just aren't going to be as high. And, and even now I'm looking, Sabonis has almost double the amount of rebounding chances per game of Miles Turner. And, mm. and uh, I mean, their minutes are somewhat similar. So it's ter- He's not going to have that luxury with Toronto, though. Right, that's what – I mean, you have Siakam still, but I, I, I get you there. And you yeah. do still have Gasol there right now, but maybe you wouldn't after this, after this season. So – I wonder if Gasol is one of those non-rebounding bigs at this point, too. I haven't, like, paid close attention to his rebounding numbers, so I'm going to look it up. Um, he's at 6.6 in 28 minutes. So it's not terrible, 8.5 per 36. Um, but still, it, it is interesting to me to see all these big guys just spending so much time on the perimeter. 
even though I mean we, I I should be used to it by now. It's been the trend for a few years. It's it's still just the rebounding numbers that are taking some getting used to for me. Right, and it's look. There's also the de-emphasis on offensive rebounding too. So oh yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that definitely contributes. And look, Miles Turner is not. A, I wouldn't call him a plus rebounder for his position. So there's certainly that to consider. Uh, another player, though, moving on. Unless you have another fit, I would love to see Miles Turner in San Antonio, but they just they don't have dick to offer. Like they just don't. They don't have any. I don't know. You what. know, it's the thing about San Antonio is they they need to be sellers. They or you know they got to try something, but they keep winning games like every two or three games. And in the West, that's just enough <laughs> to to like lurk around the eighth spot. And I'm I'm afraid that they're going to stay just close enough to eight to talk themselves into, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're fine. We're still going to make the playoffs. And and I don't think that's the way that they should be going. But anyway, I cut, cut you off again. Go ahead. It would be even funnier if they made the playoffs and then won that series against the Clippers or the Lakers. <laughs> that would be incredible. Hysterical. Yeah, yeah. A couple other names I had here. This one we loosely talked about as well. And it's starting to get – it's not so much under the radar anymore, but with the way the Timberwolves have been playing. Robert Covington, my – my question to you on this would be, because we all know what Covington does. He's one of the best team defenders in basketball. He can he can hit threes. I don't necessarily know that you want him dribbling, but that's fine, at least to me. Would you give up? I'm not saying primo first-round picks, but you're a contender. Would you give up a young player and a first-round pick or two first-round picks for Robert Covington? Um, maybe a young player and a first-round pick. I don't think I'd give up two firsts for him, but I do love... Covington, and I guess it would depend on what the first are. So if it's a good team, maybe the first are just well. That's what a I, late that first. was my logic. Like I wouldn't the Hornets yeah. shouldn't give up two first round picks for, for Robert Covington. Yeah. So if it's a late first this season, and then it's a first like two or three years from now, yeah, maybe maybe I could talk myself into that. And you can convince yourself that Covington is the last piece, like Covington and Dallas. I think maybe you mentioned that the last episode. Um, the thing with Dallas is they don't really have first round picks to offer. Uh, yeah, they don't for have the equity the for future. Like him. That's so like that's, yeah. that, that's interesting. Um, which team are you thinking of that has that potential package for him? Portland, I think, could do a young player in a first-round pick fairly easily for him. Uh, and he certainly helps their defense. He would, yeah, he would help them a lot, actually. He's, they're my favorite uh, theoretical destination for him. Uh, in terms of other teams that might give up that, Milwaukee, maybe. They'd have a tough time getting to salary matching, and I don't know. I, I don't know that they need him because they have the best defense in the league. But he seems like such a easy fit for what they do, where they want to take yeah. a ton of threes, and then he's going to play his ass off on defense, and he's just another uh, option that you have on defense. Like I don't, you don't look at them aside from, and I'm not saying aside from their main guys with Middleton, Bledsoe, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. You don't look at that roster and say, well, they have some really lockdown stoppers on the perimeter. And I feel like he gives them that, that element. Yeah, he would, he would make sense there. And I, I'm with you. I actually don't, I don't think Milwaukee is like desperately needs to make a trade. They, their roster is very deep and very well tailored to Giannis right now. That's how but I think Covington think. keeps that. He, I mean, he fits that mold. Well, if you could do it without giving up George Hill, and I'm not saying that, in a vacuum, George Hill is better than Robert Covington. Uh, it's just that he's, could, he's been so good and, and important to them this season. So I'm with you. Yeah. If you could do that without giving up George Hill, because he might become uber important once Eric Bledsoe goes through his annual postseason regression, <laughs> uh, that would be something I'd look at this team. I don't think they, they could do it, 
but I, I don't know that they have the young players to really make it enticing because you're not going to do Landry Shamit. But the Clippers, I wouldn't hesitate. I know Harkless has been good for them, but I wouldn't wouldn't hesitate to go for the upgrade with Covington using him as the the salary anchor and including a young player in a first round pick. I might do that. I'm, I might do Harkless and Shamit for him if I'm the Clippers. Um, if it was just Shamit, maybe. But uh, and Shamit's been injured. He's had his struggles this year, though. He played some really good minutes for them in, in their win over the Rockets on, on Thursday night. Uh, that's like, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that. But, I mean, Covington, what makes you able to say to do that is he has two years left on his deal at under $13 million actually. Mm-hmm. Isn't, aren't the Clippers going to have some problems with the Stepien rule too, though? They don't commit their first first-round pick to OKC until 2022. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So they could go a first, Harkless, and then that's where you run into the problem. I wouldn't give a first and sham it, but is Jerome Robinson enough to get that done? Um, can you expand the deal a little bit to maybe do Robinson and I don't, like Terrence Mann and then first-round pick? I, I don't know. But they, they okay, would be I, a team that I think has the incentive to do it. Okay. I think that makes sense. I have a question for my cap, um, my CBA and trade rules expert. You ready for this? Oh, boy. <laughs> what? How does the Stepien rule apply to um, swap rights for first-round picks? It it doesn't. Like it, So you could, you could then trade – you could trade a pick that – I'm trying to look at an example uh, for the Clippers here. I'm looking at – so, like, for a swap – they have a swap with Oklahoma City in 2023. If they weren't trading their 2022 first-round pick already, they could still trade their 2023 first-round pick. It would just have to be the resulting one of it's either going to be OKC's pick or their pick. Okay. But they can't trade. I wonder why more teams don't don't use those to get around that rule. Well, I think teams would rather have an extra first-round pick than the right to swap. Yeah, so you're looking that's at the true. basis yeah. of uh, you're looking at the base of the initial deal there. Uh, two, so to, just with the interest of trying to get us to the mailbag, I think I only have two <laughs> names left. Uh, this one is, I feel like, kind of under the radar. Someone should try and buy low on Kevin Knox. I don't know what it would cost to get him, but I, I'm still a Kevin Knox believer, uh, but I'm also still a Frank Aquina believer, so I don't know what that says about me. Well, I'm still I'm uh, stoking the flames on Dante Exum Island, so I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, so I think a team should try and buy low on him. The issue there is what does that exactly look like? Because a contender isn't going to have, like, the interesting pieces, like just something semi-interesting to send the Knicks, and why would they want Kevin Knox? And then anything a rebuilding team can offer is most likely going to be too valuable for him. And so there's no destination that just jumps out in my mind. But I do think that a team should, should buy low on him and from what I saw at the beginning of the season and even now like his touch time is down so he's making at least quicker decisions they're not always the right offensive decisions his defense which wasn't great to begin with it looked like to me that it was on the come up at the beginning of the year and it's, it's just gotten worse um, still feels like he makes some nice help plays around the rim but his off ball awareness on the games that I've watched in recent weeks has not been great I, I just want to see him rescued because I feel like there's still a pretty good I don't think he's gonna be a star but I feel like there's a pretty good NBA player in there man I hadn't checked on his three-point percentage in a while <laughs> um first well I'll say first 12 games of the season he shot 44.7 percent from three and in the 13 no more than that 
in the 14 games since he's at 20 percent from three yeah he's been uh, he's been bad i'm not i'm not denying that i want to see him i wonder if he's been bad enough for the, the knicks to think about moving him yeah i was i before i looked up his three-point percentage numbers i was you know listening and thought he it would be interesting to see him in a more stable organization um with better coaching better player development because i i don't think it's it would be unfair to jump ship on him right now, I think. Would you would you do this deal if you're the Pelicans? Uh, Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox, and maybe a second for Lonzo Ball. No. I I'm I'm uh I think a lot higher on Lonzo Ball than well, you I are. I, I think I'm deplanning the Lonzo Ball bandwagon. I've always <laughs> kind of thrown him in as a top one hundred player like the past two seasons just because I thought he would get there, but I'm starting to think that's not going to happen. And so I'm wondering if there could be like a swap of distressed assets there. I tend to, I wouldn't do it either if I was either team, to be honest with you. It's one of those yeah. things, but that might have to be the sort of deal. Like maybe it's distressed asset for a distressed asset and you, or maybe you pair both Knox and Smith. Um, since there was a report from me and Begley of SNY that there are teams, including the Timberwolves that might be interested in, in Smith jr. Maybe that's the, the deal that you look at. A type of structure, not that exact deal. It is the the Dennis Smith Jr. thing um, is interesting. He's had a really rough go this season, but maybe that's another guy who still has talent and you can convince yourself it'll it'll look different if it's not the Knicks. <laughs> so and then I and I can I can kind of buy that log, logic, honestly. And that was the that's the final name I have was do you think that Lonzo Ball could find his way into trade rumors, or do you think New Orleans is that invested in his future that Drew Holiday is the one that would be more likely to go? I think he certainly could. Yeah, if we're to believe that Mark Stein report, um, the only untouchables are Ingram, Zion, which makes sense, and then for now, J.J. Redick, which doesn't make sense and I don't think is true. Um, I, I, I'm sure that New Orleans would move Redick if they got the right deal. Uh, and I think I think Lonzo, same thing. Like if they if they get the right deal for him, I I could definitely see him moved. He has, um, you know, when we started talking about him, I pulled up his numbers, and the rookie season was super encouraging because he's a rookie and he's doing all these things. He's a, he averaged almost one block per thirty six minutes, and he fills up the box score with rebounds, assists. Um, the shooting was obviously a massive concern, and and I think. I and several others, <laughs> several, it's, it's like the uh, Arrested Development line. There's dozens of us. Um, <laughs> myself and some others, I'll put it that way, thought, you know, if he can add that jump shot, this is a super interesting player. But if you look at his, you know, his time or pace adjusted numbers, they're, they're basically just stagnant over these three seasons. He's essentially the same player. Like the shooting numbers are up a bit, but not enough to make you think, wow, okay, here it comes. Um I still, I'm still intrigued by the versatility of this guy. Um, he's, he's got decent size for the guard position, decent length. He's a good athlete. He gets rebounds, assists. Like he fills up the box score. Um, but as long as he's going to be this bad of a shooter, it, it might not matter. Um, so I'm still, I'm still intrigued by him. And I think there are some other teams that could probably talk themselves into him. But I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit less comfortable. And it's look to me, it's not like he's this. I don't view him as a hopeless shooter per se. I mean, he's shooting thirty three point one percent on threes. That's not the end of the world. It's just that with maybe with the Pelicans specifically, and this was kind of the problem with uh, the Lakers in his 
in his sophomore season. It was, to me, just like, if he's going to be off the ball that much, I don't know what value he has yeah. to you. I mean, he's shooting 35.7% on catch-and-shoot threes, but is that why, like, catch-and-shoot threes are 40% of his shot attempts right now. Is that why you have Lonzo Ball on your team? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I wonder if New Orleans is telling themselves, let's let's at least give him some time as the point guard and see what that looks like. Right. Um, and maybe, I, maybe they can do that after they make a couple of deals um i think i think maybe he deserves that like you said having him off the ball is uh that's just not ideal for him the other thing about his really intriguing numbers as a rookie was he was in command of so many possessions so that's that's part of what was intriguing for him and he hasn't really had that opportunity since then yeah so i but it's even still difficult then let's remove drew holiday from the equation and i'm not even saying they'll move him Eventually, you're going to have Zion and Brandon Ingram and then Lonzo Ball. Maybe that's a little yeah. bit easier. Still spacing concerns. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that wrapped up my under-the-radar radar trade, guys. That I feel like those are names that people aren't really talking about. Do you have anybody else there? Bryn Forbes was another one that I was briefly going to mention. His shooting percentages have plummeted, but he's going to be a free agent, and I wonder if anyone who could use a backup point guard or even just a point guard, can they pry him out of San Antonio for something? You know, the big trade has been – Let's get Aaron Gordon to the Spurs and DeMar DeRozan to the Magic. And there's there are permutations, one of which I think I built, where it's maybe it's like Gordon and Aminu for DeRozan and, and Forbes. Uh, but I'm just wondering, if does Orlando have something they could offer small that, that would pry Bryn Forbes out? He would be he feels like he would be a good fit uh, in, in Orlando overall, independent of DeMar DeRozan. But he was another name that, that I thought of. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um... I don't. I don't really have any others. I think the Spurs should be open for business. I don't know if they are. Um, like you have said many, many times, they just don't make mid-season trades. But Bryn Forbes should be on the table. Um, it, literally everyone who who on the Spurs should be in touch, untouchable at this point. I mean, Dejounte Murray, and he signed an extension, so you're not going to move him anyway because of the poison pill stuff. But he would be the guy that I would look at that you can't move. And I'm I'm probably too unless you're getting back a really good player. And I don't know who that player is. Unless it's a Drew Holiday trade, I'm not going to give up Derek White or Lonnie Walker either. I guess I'm just saying if the Spurs make a move, unless they're going to get an impact player for DeRozan's salary, they should probably just be sellers, in which case you don't give up those young players. Yeah. I'm I'm just ready for the Spurs to try anything different. They've made so many moves in the last four or five years that my initial reaction is just to scratch my head and – Say, huh? Um, Are you ready for Avery Bradley to the Jazz? That was the trade you really wanted when we were talking. No, please, no. You were begging for it. (laughs) No, but the Jazz do need to fix their bench somehow. Um, That was a question in the mailbag. I was just going to say, maybe that's a good way to jump into the mailbag. Um, At Conley World, W R L D, asks, How do the Jazz fix the bench? I'm going to let you answer that question. Is it trade for Avery Bradley? Is that the answer? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Um, so he, I, there, I guess there's a couple things. I, I think they should be dangling Exum in a first round pick. I don't know what that gets you at this point. I think somebody else may be asked, does anybody other than the Jazz's top six players have trade value? And the answer to that question might be no. Um, but I, it, they, they at least need to be thinking about what can we get for that? Because he's got a good salary matching type of a contract. Um, and maybe the first round pick can be his value enough to get somebody who's at least a rotation player for them. But I think the quicker and and maybe more logical fix for their bench is to just have rotations um, that keep 
guys like Bogdanovich or Mitchell on the floor for, for all 48 minutes. Um, stagger them a little bit more. Because when it's when you watch the Jazz and they have lineups that have Jeff Green, George Niang, Emmanuel Moutier, and Ed Davis all on the floor at the same time, and Joe Ingles is the guy who's supposed to like raise the offensive ceiling of that group, um, good luck. <laughs> you, you've got to... <laughs> You've got to have somebody who can create his own shot consistently um, with those kind of players. And I, I just don't – I don't know if the, the Jazz can get away with playing four of those bench guys at the same time as often as they have. Um, does that put more of a burden on the starters? Certainly. And, it, you know, they're already dealing with health problems with Mike Conley, so it becomes more difficult to do these things. Um, but I, I think the quickest fix is just to try to avoid those all-bench – minutes um as much as you possibly can because they are just getting destroyed when that happens is there like an ideal archetype prototype player that you would like to see added to their bench well i think you um mentioned over and over that the loss of jay crowder i think was going to be a bigger deal than people realized so i think maybe they need another one of those sort of combo forwards um who doesn't necessarily have to be like a lights out shooter um, but somebody who can at least command some attention out there. And I know, you know, that's kind of the kind of player that every team wants right now, so they're not super easy to come by. Um, but I'm just thinking, yeah, somebody in that like six, 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 seven range can guard a bunch of different positions and is at least willing to take some threes. Yeah. I and mean, honestly, I don't know who that is besides like, I don't think they have the assets to go get Robert Covington. Um, I don't know. It's it's they're in a tough spot right now. Yeah, I don't know if Exum. I would say no, unless Minnesota really liked Exum. I don't know that Exum in a first would get you Robert Covington. I'm trying to think if there's anything else they could attach, and they really can't because they gave up this year's first round pick already. You know what I keep seeing from a, like a couple um, national people is Bojan Bogdanovich in trades, which is just crazy to me. Yeah, I don't. What for who? <laughs> I I think it was. I can't remember who it was. I, I read somewhere a a Bogdanovich, and it was like Bogdanovich and Exum and a pick for Kevin Love, and I was like, "What? Are you are you kidding me?" <laughs> um, that th- those deals don't make sense to me. Bogdanovich has been like one of the the brightest spots of the season for the Jazz. He's not going anywhere. He's probably been their most consistent player. He's definitely been their most consistent offensive player. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Look, here you go. Donovan Mitchell and Dante Exum for, for, <laughs> for Robert Covington and Filler, and then you're you're there. Have you seen the Get Out gif? That's one of my favorite uh, gifs ever, the like old-timey black-and-white guy who just points and says, Get Out. No, um, I'm pretty That's sure you sent some version of that to me a few times in a text message whenever I tell you that the I'm telepathically sending X. that to you right now. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see if we can find some more questions we we actually spent a, a good chunk of time on our under the radar targets so maybe we'll have to save some of these for another mailbag um uh at brg red he asks if uh will the hawks unload jabari parker i guess they could because in theory uh, if right now i guess he's kind of playing his way towards declining that player option since he's been pretty good. So you could say, hey, we'll trade him and then try and re-sign him again since we'll have a ton of cap space. But at this point, it might be more valuable just to keep him with you so that you have that inside track. Not a lot of your players look like keepers right now. I I think there was a report. I'm trying to remember who said it, but there was that report that said the Hawks 
could be sneaky buyers. And so maybe if you're trying to buy something, yeah. but I don't look at them. They have contracts that are good salary anchors, but the sweeteners they would include, at least tangible sweeteners, when you look at the players on their roster, it it's kind of tough sledding because there's not who's interested in Cam Reddish, who's interested in DeAndre Hunter, and what are you getting for those guys? Are you willing to give up even Kevin Herter in a deal? And why would you? It depends on who you're getting back. So I, I honestly don't know. And I don't know what you could get for Jabari Parker unless you're looking for – there's a team out there that's just looking for a big – that can give them some floor spacing, I guess. But I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why you would move him. I can't imagine what the value would be there. And he's – you know, he's only shooting 28% from three too. I didn't even realize it was that low. 60% on twos though. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was digging through the mailbag trying to find our next um, question, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks kept Jabari either. I think the reports about them possibly being a buyer are certainly interesting to me. I don't. I don't know what they can do right now to. Um, Should pair Trey Young with Lonzo Ball and see how that goes. <laughs> make them any kind of like a legitimate threat this season. I. Um, so they're interesting. I guess, you know, they should at least be exploring the market for what they can get for Jabari Parker. Um, you know, I am I will always be a Jabari Parker Island uh, resident. I've got dual citizenship. Uh, what, what's what's the next step after dual? I've got citizenship Try in America. Citizenship. <laughs> Try citizenship in the United States of America, Dante Exum Island, and Jabari Parker Island. Um, I'm, I'm giving up my stock in Michael Beasley Island. It'll shock you to hear that. Um Elliot Wood at Elliot Wood five. What's the realistic trade value for Andre Drummond? Is it weird that I don't know? I, I because I don't know either because the, that, the center market needs, is so weird. Right. Yeah, and it's it's like threefold really because it's who needs a big, who needs a big that's making twenty seven point one million dollars, and who needs a big that's making that much money and approaching free agency in another long term yep. deal. I I think. The best they could hope to get for him, in my opinion, would be a salary filler, expirings, and then a first. I honestly don't think that they would get more than that. Did Maybe you read the James James Edwards athletic piece about the Pistons' uh, approach to trade season? I did not. It's it's interesting. He uh, he says Drummond could be on the table, um, which is I think the first report anywhere that I've I've seen that said in a you know, somewhat concrete way. He also said that his next contract could be in the 20 to 25 million range. He's not expecting a max. Um, I don't know who gives him that this summer. I was going to say, that's probably just the realistic outlook for him. And Atlanta, that's funny that you mentioned that. I've done a couple of trade pieces in the last month or so, and that's like the only team I can get to that makes some sense for Andre Drummond. Um, I still like John Collins more as a five long-term than a four. But I think you could talk yourself into that. Uh, Collins at the four, Drummond at the five, Trey Young at the one. Um, what are you giving up to get someone... him, though, if you're Atlanta, especially when you're going to have a ton of cap space this summer? Yeah. That, you know, it's these, <laughs> these are all good questions. The center market is really hard to gauge. They have the easy salary matching piece with Chandler Parsons. Um, would you give up Parsons, a first-round pick, and DeAndre Hunter? No. Uh, no. I, I would give up. up that. I would give Parsons and a first round pick, and that would be as high as I'd go for them yeah. specifically, just because 
they're going to have cap space this summer unless you think you can't even get a meeting with him. Yeah. And if you think you can't get a meeting with him, what makes you feel confident that you'll be able to resign him? Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I would include Cam Reddish just to see if anybody would take him off my hands. Um. Wow. They can't <laughs> trade Cam Reddish now just because the optics on that Luka Doncic trade won't look Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that was – anyway. Um yeah, so sorry, Elliot. I wish um, I, I, you know, Dan had a better answer for you than I did, but it's it's really tough to peg the center market right now. Portland would be interesting instead of Whiteside, but you have Yusuf Nurkic coming back, and so it's yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've I've scoured the league for potential Drummond um, destinations, and Atlanta is is seriously the only one that ever pops out to me. I've seen this in a few different places. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw it in here just to get our general thoughts on it at baseline, Brandon. Uh, so my mailbag tweet this week was, you know, not just, don't just ask us your questions, give us your favorite, uh, realistic fake trades. Um, and so baseline Brandon says the Simmons for holiday swap. Um, have you heard this? What are your thoughts on this? I mean, one, it doesn't work until the summer when Simmons' salary increases. No, there you go. Yeah. I'm actually not sure. I I don't know. I'm not saying I don't know why the Pelicans would do it, but so now you're going to have Simmons, Lonzo Ball, yeah. and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on the same team. So ball-dominant guys, only one of which has shown thus far that he's an above-average shooter, and he's only shown And one of season. which, like, goes out of his way to not shoot. Right. <laughs> Did you see... He, ben Simmons tweeted a picture of himself playing video games, and there was someone that quote tweeted it. I forget who it was on Twitter. and said, all these first-person shooter games, and you can't even – wait, never mind. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't help but laugh. Oh, no. The other, so I don't – I get why people are throwing this potential trade out there. Um, I, I don't have near as much concern about the Embiid Simmons fit as a lot of other people seem to. I, they're incredibly talented, and I think – Generally speaking, you want to have incredible talent on your team, especially if it's young. Um, I, insofar as there is some fit issues between those two, I think there's plenty of time for them to figure it out. Uh, if you surround them with decent shooting, and their shooting has you know ticked up here in recent weeks, like Tobias Harris is shooting really well right now. Al Horford's three point percentage is coming up. Um, I, I, you know, generally speaking, love the Sixers starting five. I wouldn't break it up if I was them. I don't think I would either. If they were going to, I don't. I think you probably want more of a sure thing shooter than Drew Holiday too. Yeah, for sure. Drew Holiday's three point percentage has been like sort of under the radar bad for four or five years now. Um, maybe not that long. I want to double check. I don't just think to he's been sure. like terrible, but and he's taking some off the dribble looks, which contributes to it. But maybe it would need to be like a, it would need to be a Kyle Lowry type player, but he's so. He's so old that that really doesn't work. But, hey, this summer, Ben Simmons for Kyle Lowry, OG, and a first-round pick. That's a little more interesting. Um, you know how – I mean, I love the uh, hometown connections in basketball, so you always can – you can tug at my heartstrings with that. Drew Holiday from his, his rookie season in 2009-10 through 2014-15, so six seasons, he shot 37.6% from three. And then for the last one, two, three, four, five seasons, he shot 33.8% from three. Kind of a weird thing that I've kept my eye on for the last few years. Um, Ready to do some rapid-fire ones? Yeah, we gotta we got to power through. This is one of my favorite fake trades. You're going to love this. From at T.O. Dranick, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Marco Bellinelli for a bag of Doritos. 
What flavor? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Spicy nacho for me. I might do it. That's too mean. That's too mean. <laughs> um, Bellinelli for the bag of Doritos is fine. I'm with it. So I actually I only had one other one bookmarked for now. Um, like I said, maybe we can we we can go back to these the next time we do a mailbag because I think these will probably be fairly evergreen questions, um, unless there's some massive trade in the next couple of weeks, which I do not expect. But at Arl Baseball Thirteen, um, realistic Mavs opportunities. I, I think maybe we already mentioned them: Covington, yeah. Iguodala. Is there anybody else? There's. I don't even think they have the assets to get a Covington, to be honest with you. Maybe a Thaddeus Young, like someone around that type yeah, of player. Yeah. Would they be willing to, you know, can they... And then it's also, who wants to help the Mavericks right now if they're in the West, which sort of limits their options? Like, what, what, why would Denver send them Malik Beasley as, as a flyer or something like that? So, uh, I, there's one that caught my eye. Sean Anderson sent this to you at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. This may not be realistic, but Denver gets Blake Griffin, Langston Galloway, yeah, twenty twenty one second round pick, and then Detroit gets Paul Millsap, Beasley, um, Vlatko Cancer, and a twenty twenty two first round Denver pick. And I'm just, I'm wondering what the argument would be for Denver to no. to even think about this. I think uh, somebody somebody responded to that response and said Denver wouldn't touch that with a fifty foot pole or something like that. Am I thinking of the same one? I yep. saw this one last night. Yep. Um, I'm probably going to go with the response to the response there. I Right now, Paul Millsap is a better player than Blake Griffin. He's more versatile defensively. Um, he's, he's shooting the heck out of the ball this season. He fits really, really well in Denver. I don't, you know, Blake Griffin's a great passer, but he's also one of those kind of ball-dominant passers, if that makes sense. And I don't want anybody taking the ball out of Jokic's hands. Um, so I don't like the fit with Blake Griffin there. The contract and the injuries are, are a concern too. So I would, you know, if I'm Denver, I'm, I'm sticking with what's working right now. The trade that they need to make is that consolidation deal where they get rid of two or three of those bench guys who aren't playing not get rid of is, is the wrong way to put it. Uh, move those bench guys for somebody who can, uh, raise the ceiling a little bit. This one, I actually, I think I sort of like, I haven't checked to make sure it's legal, but from Steph KH at 9540 Steph. Aldridge, Forbes, and Carroll for Bogdanovich, Ariza, and Deadman. Aldridge, Forbes, and Carroll. Yeah, I like I don't mind that. I think that helps the Spurs. Um I'm trying to think how it I guess you get a better defensive big with Aldridge, even though his defense what's, has been slipping. What I'm trying to figure out is what's the argument for Sacramento. They're getting off of Deadman's contract. Yeah. Um, Forbes. How much does How much them, does Aldridge have left? He has a year after this one, um, okay. which is basically so. will be cost more than the two years remaining on Deadman's, and he has the only partial guarantee in the in the final year. So, but if you think Aldridge helps you now, and then Forbes really improves their backup point guard situation, and Carroll's probably a more serviceable wing than Ariza. But if you're the Spurs and you're looking to rebuild, maybe getting Ariza's expiring contract along with Bogdanovich's expiring contract, who might be someone you keep long-term. Perhaps that has value. And Deadman was, you know, they were kind of the team that didn't put Dwayne Deadman on the map, but it was before he went to Atlanta. That's when people first started saying, oh, hey, he's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's somewhat interesting. I think the side that probably says no on that one is Sacramento. I think, uh, I think I'm with you there. Yeah, although I'm not certain. Um, 
let's let's wrap it there. And like I said, maybe we can revisit this mailbag the next time we dive in because I think these these questions are going to have some staying power. Um, and unless you have anything else, I am uh, ready to do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here still scouring the mailbag. Anyway, if you want to send us more questions, uh, take issue with any of our takes from this morning, you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox, the podcast network at Blue Wire Pods. As always, we encourage you, implore you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have already done so, to pass it along to your friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances, coworkers, uh, people you run into on the street, you name it. They all need this in their lives. You know that. Um, and until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Benna Udry and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.